What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. The end of the preseason is upon us, and you know what that means. Just two more weeks, give or take, until the regular season is here. And I got to say, normally that Panthers-Steelers game is, an, is a cause for concern, just in any whether it's regular season, preseason, if it's ever the postseason. But I felt pretty good after after that, that last game. I felt pretty good with our team as a whole. I don't know about y'all. Shantice is actually there at the game, so I'd love to hear what you know he thought. I felt pretty good about the backups. That's what I feel good about. I, I, offensively, bro, I'm not gonna lie. Their offensive line looked bad, and live in person, that looked bad. I'm not. I'm worried. But the defense was great on the bright side. Defense looked like a number one group. Offensive line needs some work. Sam Darnold actually was impressed. Actually, was not impressed, but I was satisfied with what I got from Sam Darnold. Not, not, not disappointed. Not overly, not overly happy, but satisfied. I, you know, um, I, I agree with you, Shantice. I think you know um, the defense. You know, they're good. I mean, they're solid. The backups are cool. I think that um, you know the offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think what bothered me was a couple of third down and short conversions or not getting the conversions. Um, so the offensive line, not good. Um, and, and there were some, like I said, some short third down conversions they didn't get. So, um, you know, I, I'm a little leery about about the offense. And, you know, Sam Darnold, I guess we'll get in him a little bit more. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, from my end, I, I, there were some things I liked. I mean, the re- and I have to give it to Rule a bit. He did show a bit more offensively, at least in the red zone, some of the, you know, things that they could do. Some of the, you know, whether it was crossing routes, whether it was those some of those screens, clearly, you know, they had something drawn up for Terrace to where that could work. And I was surprised because it wasn't like it was a horribly orchestrated screen, but Terrace was able to use the open field well, and that wasn't something we had seen from him in, you know, in the past or in college. It was more of his you know, just straight liners up in front, things that you would thought, I think of, not something that Shy or, or Curtis would normally do. So I was excited to see that. I liked that Sam, and I'm assuming this is something that we're going to practice, and this is what you need with a quarterback like Darnold, and Jeff kind of mentioned it as well. Uh, we're seeing more of this Delomian kind of, you know, territory. Um, this Delomian territory <laughs> of what he can be as a quarterback, and I think that you can see that in his relationship with his tight ends. I thought that was very emphasized in those first couple drives with guys like Arnold and there was one dude whose name I couldn't even pronounce or I'd never heard before. I'm, it was uh, a weird, Richie. Or yeah, Richie, like, or, Richie, yeah, or Richie or Richie or whatever his name was. Um, but, I mean, I was okay with that, you know, with seeing that because we were, you know, always concerned about what the tight end position was going to be. I, I really don't know why Ian Thomas is, is still even in the lineup because I don't know what we're doing with they him. Yeah, they, they, they don't seem to have a real plan for him in this offense. I mean – I mean, not 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 anything that he will be used for doing. I think Ian Thomas is a solid receiving tight end, but they seem to lean towards Dan Otto with being that. Uh, Dan Ricci, the third string tight end, he seems to be taking the like that that H back fullback type role, which I thought would have been reserved for Tommy Trimble, because that was that was his bread and butter coming out of Notre Dame was his ability to block. So I thought Tommy Trimble would be the guy you want to put in at that fullback position, but they're right. leaning towards him. So I don't really understand what we're doing with Ian Thomas. Or Tommy Trimble, because I think Trimble should, should play in some sort of fashion. I know he's a rookie, but you can't hide him. You can't hide all the rookies from, from game day action. Yeah, I was concerned. I mean, Trimble had had some flashes, you know, getting some receiving here. Obviously, that touchdown wasn't supposed to be his, but he still he still caught it. But um, we're going to know we've had our own guy who's clearly got some, you know, 
he has some insight on the Panthers, but he hasn't been able to join because he's dealing with his own stuff in college. So we're going to add in a pseudo add in Tyler here real quick so that he can give his um, you know, takes. A bit of me talking about the preseason. It was a great idea from the boys uh, to let me get into the podcast as I've been you know, a little bit busy here with my own training camp and wrapping up, getting ready for the season, just like the Carolina Panthers and a lot of um, the other football teams around the country. So um, sorry I haven't been able to be on lately. The goal going forward is to be live on the podcast with the boys because Nothing beats that, as we all know. And so, you know, just going forward, excited for the regular season. Preseason came and went so fast. Uh, I really was a fan of the three-game schedule. That was something we talked about leading up to the preseason with this, the new three-game schedule. I'm definitely a fan of it because even towards the end of the preseason, even in week three, you're starting to get to the point where you're ready for some real football. Uh, the preseason is just not cutting it. And you're ready to see the real thing. You're ready to see the final product. So I'm glad it happened, but I'm glad it's over and I'm ready to get into the real thing. So, you know, going forward, the Panthers playing the Jets week one, a lot is going to happen from now to then, even though we are done with the preseason games now. Um, you know, 53-man rosters are due by August 31st, which is Tuesday of this week. So. Definitely very excited to see that, um, who makes the 53, who we bring, what, how many of each position we bring. But, um, you know, I haven't been on the last couple of weeks, so I want to give my preseason thoughts. So, you know, just going down the roster, um, you know, starting at the top of the head coach. I was, um, you know, I'm still a little bit concerned about the discipline of our team. Matt Rule coming from, at, uh, from Baylor, you know, took that program from the bottom up. You know, he turned them into you know, a great top 25 team in the country from really nothing. Um, and he couldn't have done that without building a great culture. So I know he can do it. I'm only questioning it just because of the lack of discipline we've seen in the preseason. And I know it's preseason, you're gonna make mistakes, that's what it's for. But, um, you know, the offsides, the false starts, the um, just different mistakes, the, the whole vibe feels like we're still in the process of soaring through our culture. And it's okay, it's it's still okay now. It's only year two with Rule uh, through a weird year in the NFL. But now going forward, this season, he needs to identify a culture, bring everybody together, and there needs to be set leaders. That's the one thing at looking at this team, we don't know who the leaders are yet. And I'm really hoping uh, a couple weeks into this season, we can see who emerges as leaders. So looking at the quarterback position, that Sam Darnold, um, you know, Nothing good, nothing bad. We don't really know. No, no change in opinion on him. Uh, Jets. That's the game. That's the game for him. We'll see. We'll see how it goes then. But that. That's where. That's his time to shine. PJ Walker looked good. Um, I think he cemented himself as the backup quarterback. Him and Will Greer have been going back and forth um, for that position since they both got there. But I, in my opinion, PJ has solidified that spot. Um, and Will Greer, a former third-round pick, is. Um, doesn't have a bright future as uh, even a backup for this team. Um, running back, Chuba Hubbard, Spence Brown, two rookies I was impressed with. I was happy to see Chuba looked better um, than I thought. I just want to see him keep progressing, um, get more comfortable, because he's going to have to play a big role in our offense. Um, Spencer Brown gives us something a little bit different. We'll see if he makes the 53-man roster. Uh, tough running back, hard nose, at least will be on the practice squad, but he brings something a little different. And I could see him being a guy late in the season that we moved from the practice squad, and he ends up getting carries in a game. So, you know, looking at the receiver position, 
Terrace Marshall, I mean, a lot of talk about him. He looks the part. He looks everything people want him to. The size, the speed, um, the ball skills in the red zone. I think he's going to be a great red zone target for us. Um, really going to add something different to the receiving group that we didn't have with Curtis Samuel. Um, brings that size and, uh, you know, we can run three receiver sets and have him on the field. Well, thank you, Tyler, for that little rundown of it all. I mean, looking at the 53-man roster and kind of, you know, the day before it's supposed to be projected by the time this will come out, it will have been released or at least will have been due. So, I mean, there are some areas of, of concern, like he's talking about. I mean, as far as I can, I'm concerned, I mean, let's look, we can go down the list. Running back, because we know what quarterback is going to be. I mean, Will Greer actually showed some flashes of athleticism yesterday, or excuse me, yesterday, last week for during the game, so – I mean, at least with the touchdown run and, you know, PJ. I mean, I think we know what the what the lineup is there. Um, as far as running backs go, I the more I see from Chuba, the more I like it. The, the more I like the pick, the more I like his position where he can just, honest to God, come in and, and just take time away from McCaffrey in a good way to give him just the rest that he needs. I don't know who the hell Spencer Brown is, but he was running out of his mind. We keep We seem to keep getting these guys that can just – burst through even with, you know, lesser offensive lines. So I don't know where Reggie and Rodney Smith stand, but in my mind, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping Spencer Brown there and they'll probably keep Trenton in as a running back so that they can, you know, allow him to make that dual, you know, that dual position with also playing wide receiver where they have him lining up, but they'll keep him on the roster as, as a running back to allow that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just really liked what I saw from Chuba and while we didn't, you know, see a whole lot of McCaffrey, I'm okay with that for now. But Truba has been, like I said, I, I was with Tyler with, with not being as high on that pick because the things he did in college, I didn't think, I mean, don't they'll, they'll, they'll necessarily translate. But he's shown, he's he's bigger than what I thought, more physical than what I thought. And he, again, if he's the guy that, that's, that's the backup to, to, to McCaffrey with his level of speed and athleticism, I am quite all right with what we have in, 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 in our running back room. And I think he, he's a... Legit option to split carries with uh, McCaffrey. Mike Davis would have been that last year had McCaffrey not been hurt. He would have been a legit number two running back. But Chuba, did, Chuba so far in this preseason has shown me that, hey, he can really be a true number two back that can possibly be a number one back for someone down the road, down the line. Agreed. I think, you know, Chuba has shown flashes, um, and I agree with you there. And, you know, after that, who knows? You know, you have McCaffrey, you have uh, Chuba, and then you go from there. I do like the way he compliments – him, um, you know, I think I'm gonna bring it up, even though Jack, you may go down the road or whatever. Um, you know, he talked a little bit about Will Greer, and you guys talked about it a little bit. I don't think he's on the roster come Wednesday. I think he's gonna get cut. Um, well, I mean, you would have I, to have. I mean, most teams still have three three quarterbacks, so you just go down to two to make space for another position. Well, I think you got to wait and see what happens on the waiver wire and see who else gets cut. I mean, if there is a veteran that comes out of this somehow. Um, you know, and, and who knows what, what that might look like. I mean, let's say, look, I, I mean, go over to the, um, well, I can't say that. Where did Minshew go? Gardner Minshew went to the Eagles. Where did he go? Did he go yeah, he went to the Eagles. So you got Jalen Hurts. Who backs up? I can't uh, remember. Well, it's not Carson Wentz or Nick Foles. No, uh, I can't remember now. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I could see Greer gone. Oh, isn't uh, isn't isn't Joe Flacco on the Eagles? That's yeah, Joe Flacco's yeah, yeah. on the Eagles. So all of a sudden, let's say they decide to cut Joe Flacco. Do you bring Joe in? Would you no, have I, forgot, I forgot he was. I forgot he was still in the league. You want you want Joe or Will Greer? I mean, you know. Well, I, well to be fair, you know, I if if I'm picking if, I, if I'm taking a third quarterback, 
probably a guy I'm trying to slap on the practice squad. So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want Joe Pratt, Joe Joe Flacco. Well, yeah. Like I rather I said I reserve that spot for a young guy. Whoever your number two is gonna should be the guy that should be like the veteran type of guy you want to have on the field with your starter. Right. But, I mean, honestly, our quarterback room just it's just not very good. Honestly, no. it's just it's just being nice about it. Well, and I think so. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say too. The one, the two things that get to me. I think you know, um, you know, Terrace Marshall. He's obviously going to make. I, you know, he makes the squad. No, no, no question. What's going to be interesting is to see how they kind of what they do with Sean Smith. Yeah. So latest reports doesn't say. I mean, Matt Rule in his holy vagueness has not said whether or not it's something long term. He said he doesn't. He doesn't think he should miss a lot of time. Hopefully. That gives us nothing. I don't know what that means. Well, if yeah. you if you put them, if you put them on IR, I mean, let's say it's four weeks, that allows them to all open up a spot on the roster if he's on well, IR. Are the are the IR restrictions the same as they were last season with COVID, where the the the, the times weren't as long and you could have a certain amount of people on IR? Do we know that for? Because that not- I don't that I, that I don't know for sure. I just read a good article though about it saying I think I they could see them putting him on IR. And then bringing in, see see what drops out there after they start making cuts, uh, and see what happens that way. It's not the worst idea. I mean, I because I mean, you would expect him to make the fifty three man roster well, if you know, even regardless of whether he's healthy or not. I can't imagine they cut him for the likes of David Moore or Brandon Zilstra. I can't imagine that's the case. Yeah, but you know, I would, I you know, honestly, I would have, I would, I would assume that. David Moore would be the would be the guy you would you would put into that fourth slot. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it only it, it only makes the most sense as far as you know. Brandon Zilstra is a great kid, great story, but he's a special team. That's just that's what he is at the end of the day. I mean, he's a guy that can he can possibly play for you a, a little bit, coming for some run blocking packages. But aside from that, I couldn't see him necessarily playing and making catches in in the NFL. David Moore should be the guy that should be at Miss considering he's the veteran guy that you brought in the offseason. That you probably thought was gonna be that next guy, like that that third guy, third or fourth guy before you before the draft hit. So I would hope that um I, I mean I hope hope I me mean, hopes that shock and this injury isn't as serious and it, and it won't take him it, it won't take him more than a month to, to to recover from because I mean he did he had shown progress and I thought he was really pushing towards being that fourth receiver in that in, in that in that room. But like like you guys said, I think we. Probably do put them on IR. See if something opens up with a receiver, with some other receivers, you know, across the league. Because a bunch of guys are getting cut right now, and there's a bunch of talent still left out there in the, in the pool of free agents. So, yep. and you and you, you kind of open that door, Sean Tees or whatever. I was looking not only in the wide receiver, but the amount of free agents who are not with teams right now. When you think about that list, I mean, you know, Richard Richard Sherman. You got KJ Wright, Geno Atkins, Le'Veon Bell, Quentin Dunbar, Darrell Casey's out there. You know, see, Kay, Austin, see, and, you know, KK's still out there. See, KJ um, Wright was someone I was thinking about because I mean at linebacker with especially with you know trading trading Perriman away, not really sure. You know, I mean, obviously we, we kind of knew that was coming. I felt like there was there was a sense in the locker room and in the field that you know Perriman was kind of on the way out. And and they think that, you know, um, Oh, excuse me. Uh, they think that um, oh, I just had it. Luvu. Well, Luvu, and then also um, oh, Jermaine, Jermaine Carter. They think that you know they're they're the, they're the guys, and that they can get the job done. But I mean, having a guy like KJ Wright, who was in able to you know sit second fiddle to Bobby Wagner and and play kind of to that role, it's not the worst idea in the world. But we talk about you know, and even at wide receiver, another person I liked 
during the camp more and more that I saw was Terrace Marshall. And I liked getting him to see his first, you know, pro touchdown. I like getting to see him just jail more. I was worried he, that he was one of the guys that I wasn't, you know, against the draft pick, but I was yeah. so – it was a head scratcher in my mind. And I like to see that, you know, if we're going to go with him, we're going to go with him. He's going to be playing with the ones. He's going to be going in there. Like he needs to be – you know, up there as number three. And I think he's a good compliment to him. I mean, hell, even David Moore, he was getting open at times. I mean, he's not, you know, the Jericho Cotchery or the, or even the Tory Smith, you know, kind of role that we'd like, but he still was able to make some plays. Of course it was the, with the threes um, backtracking a little bit. The thing I just forgot about that I want to mention, the thing that I like with uh, Chuba is that we've never really had up until up other than when it was, you know, McCaffrey and Stewart or Stewart and Williams or anything like that. We never really had a backup running back that was in themselves a complete running, you know, an actual running back. All the guys we had, Fozzie and Cap, and even Tolbert were, you know, more of those just kind of tools that you could use in certain spots, but not in the same situation you'd use your number one running back for. Like Chuba honestly could be a third down running back if, if, he, if, if he goes really hard, you know, in practice. I, I could see him being a nice third down running back with just the power that he has in his legs. If we don't want to put McCaffrey in those situations, then then you throw Chuba into the, into the mix there. And so I he's a solid running back. That isn't like, a, oh, we're just going to throw him on some wheel routes or some out routes, you know, or some pitches. He can actually run the ball, you know, north and south with between the tackles. And so that's something that we've been kind of looking for. Um, we keep talking about wide receiver. I just, like I said, I hope that they do the best thing with Shy because he was really building up some momentum there and he was definitely working his way up to making that, you know, top four. And so now, not that I'm concerned about the wide receivers, but I, I mean, it's Shy Smith. I want to see him, you know, play and I want to see him play soon. Um, tight end, we talked about. I don't really know what they're, you know, because they were running Ricci out of the backfield, and then they have him listed as a fullback here, but they're running him, you know, out, out of the line. And then you've also got, I mean, we re-signed Colin Thompson. You have Ian Tom or yeah, Ian Thomas, and then Dan Arnold and Tommy Tremble. I really don't know. I mean, I get Ian has the history, but like. What are we signing him? What are we keeping him on for? If not to just like if he's, if, if it's just going to be Dan Arnold, I understand you want it, like a route runner in Arnold, but it doesn't seem like you know Ian is getting any any training anywhere anywhere or the other. I see them trying to package Ian up for maybe like a late round pick or something like you know that that that, that could be the only reason. I it's the same reason why I think they probably gave Will Greer as much playing time towards the end as they did. I mean, let's let's build him up to be as good of a, good of a prospect as we possibly can. Somebody's gonna need a quarterback at some point in time. Here you go. You can take him, and we'll we'll get back a late round pick or something. That's something that I can see see happen with Ian Thomas as well. That's the only thing I can see happening. I mean, I, honestly, you know, Thomas is still good enough to be a starter and it's starter for this team. I think he's still the. I mean, honestly, I, I probably say he's the most. He's probably still the second. He's the second best tight end on, on this roster to, to Dan Arnold. Trimble has the most potential. I would. I can't understand why Trimble isn't getting that fullback spot. Like I like I stated earlier, that doesn't make much sense to me. Ricci is like kind of like a I guess like a Chris Manhurts type of tight end. He's not going to catch anything. He doesn't really have. I don't. I guess he he has value as a blocker. That's truly it. But other than that, I don't really know what to say there. But I will say this about the offensive line: Brady Christian and Deontay Brown both look very good. They both impressed me throughout camp. Throughout the game, throughout the preseason games, and and what we're getting from Cam Irving, and God, who was the other guy that looked Pat Elfline tonight? Pat Elfline, yeah. If that's the if that's what we're getting out of the, out of those two. Then look, shift, kick Taylor Moore not to the left tackle. 
because I mean he, I mean because Jesus, even he had a had a bad game that game. But I, I'll give Moten the pass of just it being a bad day. But you may need to kick him out the left tackle. Let Brady Christensen play, whether either either at guard or let him, let him replace F line and, and, and take the right guard position or something. And God, you got to figure out something. Did I say Brown looked good as well? Yeah, I right, no, so I love, and we'll talk about you know the start because they did <coughs> unfortunately mention. Rule stated, you know, in the presser that the starting O line from the from you know last preseason game was going to be that starting line, putting Irving at left tackle, Elf line at left guard, Pratt is in the middle, Miller at right guard, and Taylor Moten at right tackle. And I I know that El, or I know that Christensen and I know that Brown were running with the twos, but I'm sorry, just the things I was seeing from them were a lot better than what I'm seeing from. I mean, that left side of the field is so incredibly important, and I understand you don't want to put a rookie there. You want experience over just a talent, but like to a certain point, there's there's a line there. Like I understand you want experience, but the experience for them is not a substitute for the lack of talent at the position and the lack of technique. Like I know you can't teach experience, but you can train and hammer into their heads technique until they, you know, are doing it in their sleep. And in my mind, if you have those bodies who are willing and able, you put them in, especially. And I mean, maybe you keep Moten on the right. I don't know, Moten. I it, like Miller. I, I expect nothing from Miller. So if he gets a good block, he gets a good block. Moten. Yeah. I, it's tough because. He was struggling at that position, and I could see him being bumped out. But in my mind, I mean, I'd almost go Brown at guard, at left guard, and then and then Christensen at left tackle. I know that's a lot of pressure to put on the rookie, but he's the better. He's out of all the athletes they have on that line, he is the only guy that's athletic enough to fill that void. Besides Cam Irving, but Cam Irving throughout his career had the man to consistently fill that void because that's why he's bounced around all all across the league. It's a reason why those guys were cheap pickups. When we got, I mean that it's it's not it's not a, not a surprise. So, I mean at this point, I I can't expect things from Sam Darnold if the offensive line is not going to be better. Like, and that's the issue I'm having. We can't properly get a read on our quarterbacks if the offensive line is not improving. And and why we've not fully addressed this in free agency? Like, you, like we've spent money, like we spent money on Robbie Anderson last year. I was okay. I was okay with that. But you do need an offensive line. You didn't have an offensive line last year. We knew that. And you still didn't address it this year, and you went cheap with that as well. So I mean, look, man, you get what you pay for in this league, man. Uh, so if something on if something is it. on sale, there's a reason it's on sale. Well, the, yeah. what I'm struggling with is this, and you talk about you know where you know I think you said where Trimble fits in and all this other stuff. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I, I you know do you know what I'm getting at? There's like it doesn't seem to be there's like some focus on the offense of here's what we're doing. If that makes sense. And I know Rule doesn't want to show everything and stuff like that, but give me some idea of what the offense might look like. Uh, and, you know, getting it, it just seems so erratic and just kind of like we're talking, does this person fit here? I don't know. I haven't seen enough to like – I, I don't – does that make sense to you guys? It's no, just, it does. Yeah, and it kind of leads into – and, you know, you know when, they, when they say all these things about having dynamic players and guys that can play different positions and do different things, it's like – that's cool in college. But in the NFL, guys have positions for a reason. He can do this particular thing well. Let him do that. Quit trying to make pieces around piece quits fit into a square hole. If it's not working, it's not working. But, I'll take it a step further. You know. That works on deep. You can do that on defense even. You can have guys rotate on defense because we've got, like we said, we've got that rotational firepower on defense. 
But on offense, no, it it doesn't work. You need your guard to play the guard position. You need your tackle to play the tackle position. You need your tight end to be a tight end, whether it's a runner or an extra blocker. And you can't have this continuation of, oh, we're gonna like that was the and that was the part about last year. Last year, and it's been it's been the issue for the entirety of Cam's career and the entirety, pretty much since. Honest to God, the line with Jordan Gross and Kevin Donnelly and even all that, you know, back to 2003, we have not had a consistent line group in this franchise. We really, I mean, other than maybe Jordan Gross and, and, and you know, Ryan Khalil running up the helm, I mean, that's still only two guys and the other three are, are in and out the door. You can't have this revolving door of linemen. I know we can't have it of a quarterback, but you really can't have it of a lineman. The teams that are successful in the postseason consistently, albeit other than the Seahawks, have consistent quality offensive lines that they have cultivated. And so you like last year, our offensive line was not good by any means. It was adequate because it was consistent. Those guys played every position or they played every game at that position. And they all stayed marginally healthy throughout the entire season. And it, it was able to abet at least a little bit of success to the point where we saw Teddy's flaws, but clearly we can see what Teddy can do with at least a, above average or above a par offensive line because we see what he's doing, you know, whether it's, I mean, he's got the, he earned the starting spot over lock. None of, I don't think any of us thought he was going to walk in there and beat out drew lock for the starting spot. At least I didn't, but I, I, well, drew lock isn't very good at quarterback. I understand I mean. that. But still, <laughs> You didn't think when they were picking him up, that they were signing him as a starting quarterback. That was not what the intentions were in my mind. I, I, I thought he was brought there to compete. Because they didn't. I, well, here's why I knew that, that they, he was at a compete because they haven't solidified Drew Lock as a starter since he's been there. He's always been in and out starting lineup, so he hasn't consider, he hasn't made it his job yet either. Teddy's a guy that you bring Teddy in because you know he's a very good backup if you have, if he has to be your backup. But if you need him to play a few games and you need him to be a starter, you know he's a a average to slightly below average starter in this league that can possibly keep you afloat if you're good enough. If there's good enough talent around it, but back to what Jeff was saying, the direction of the offense still, it, I, I, like he said, I mean, it just hasn't made itself clear. And, and I was thinking about this earlier. The coaching staff is what's going to hold this offense back from being what it should be, because talent-wise across the board, you know, we're, I, we're, I, was, I was sitting there thinking, like, you know, we're probably going to be a drinking nut offense again. Whereas, you know, Donald's first read is going to be McCaffrey, and he's going to he's going to take it to McCaffrey. And then, and if that's the case, then it's truly hampering what this offense should be. You don't have – you're paying Robbie Anderson too much money, and you're about to pay DJ Moore a lot of money too. Bro, we got to let's, – let's extend what we do with this offense to the to the boundaries and, and down and down the field. Can we get it there first? I mean, it's going to take time with, with, with Sam Darnold because I'm looking at Sam Darnold as, as a complete restoration project and him starting from the ground zero, building himself back up. And it may it may take a while, you know. The scary the scary part about it is is I think about this and don't don't get on me for saying this, but you, you know you mentioned Drew Locke or whatever. Right now, what's the difference between Drew Locke and Sam Darnold? I I, I don't not much. I, I, I don't I, I don't I, I don't see a whole lot. A starting and, job at least. Right, right, the starting job. But you know when you think about certain things too, it's kind of like um, I, you know you mentioned uh, Shanti's what you said like. I go back to what Teddy said last year about two-minute warnings and two-minute drives and stuff like that. I don't know that I'm concerned about the players. I am really starting to be concerned about not not Phil as much as I am Joe and Matt. Matt is starting to scare me a little bit. And, and it just is 
we're we're two weeks away from the season. You know, you know what certain teams are going to bring to the table. You know what you're going to get when the Kansas City Chiefs line up. You know what you're going to get even with the Dallas Cowboys, even with you know Dak being hurt. Like you know what you're going to get from Tennessee or Pittsburgh or well, I don't know. I, I just and, and that I, you know I, I hope that you know Sam can get it done. Yeah, I I think, and we talk about it with you know the signing of Robbie. We can talk about that in a second afterwards too. Because um, I'm I I still don't know entirely what to think of that deal. I was kind of I was I was not blindsided per se, but I was surprised about the deal. But so then I think back to what I said, you know, about him getting Sam getting into the tight ends, and then I think about what Shanti said, and it also does scare me a little bit because like we have the weapons where we should not be orchestrating our first checkdowns and our first reads, you know, to be CMC and to be the tight ends. Cause that's what it sort of seemed like we should be designing plays and designing packages that that, you know, complement the talents that we have and Robbie and in DJ, even if it's, you know, five, three yard, five yard slant or hitches or something, you know, hitching goes or something, you're paying these people this money. And like, it's your job as a coordinator to put together the best offense that's going to work for this team. I keep saying it all the time it's because I, I cannot stress enough how exciting the offense was under Norv Turner that year where both Cam was healthy for a little while and McCaffrey was healthy for it as well. Because then even throughout that rest of that year, we still had Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke that were able to – it didn't matter if they won games. They were still offensively competitive. Our defense struggled, but they were still offensively yeah. competitive. Those were high-scoring games we were in and the, the ones that we would lose by a touchdown or more. And it feels like Brady's not putting together an offense that complements these players. And so when you have guys that you say, oh, they can be any positionless, they're going to be dynamic. They're going to be fast-paced. That'll mean squad if you don't put it together plays that allow them to show that off. Because if you're just going dumping it off to the tight end because you don't have a line that can give, you know, Sam. Sam doesn't have the confidence to hold the ball right now more than six sec- more than five or six seconds. You don't have a line that can get him the time to be able to do that and allow – I mean, Robbie and DJ don't need six seconds – but you know what I mean, you know, to develop a play, they still need that time. And it just is concerning to me because it's going to, it seems like one of those things again, where like, it was kind of like in 2015, we didn't really know what our offensive, you know, what our offensive identity was going to be. We had just lost Kelvin. That was our whole red zone threat, our whole go high threat. You know, I think if I remember correctly, we still, we had, did we have Devin at that time or no? I, I, Devin was a rookie. But Devin was a rookie, you know, untrained, not really sure of his role either. And then we had Ted Ginn, Philly Brown, Jericho Cotchery. Same kind of thing we almost have here. You had two speedsters, an older veteran, and, you know, a guy and a rookie who you don't know what you're going to get from him. Almost identical, really. Obviously, you know, a bit more upgraded in talent and areas than other Robbie and DJ leagues above Ted and Philly. But in terms of their, you know, what they would do, I mean, they do the same things that Teddy and Philly would do for the most part. Terrace is going to look like, you know, what Devin is supposed to be, your faster, bit taller guy who's supposed to be able to create separation. And then you have David or Shy, where you don't really know how they're going to fill in. And it's, and the prop, like the reason that, because clearly, I mean, while offense was high powered, it was because of Cam. We all, we all know it was, it was yeah. Cam. And because our line was our line was shit, our defense was good. Our defense had enough to back it up. Our defense was good, and like a lot like what we're seeing now. But you don't have a quarterback that can make that magic. You don't like if you had Watson. If you had Watson, it's a different story. But you don't have a quarterback that can create that magic right now. But here's the gist, and on the positive side, and I'll be the positive guy on this part coming up here. I see this team that has all the possibility to be as good. As like, and I'm, I'm gonna bring them up the Titans. I mean, I think about the Titans. 
you know, to take that, you know, I, I look at, at, at DJ and Robbie and I see you know, maybe not Julio and AJ. I get it. And Julio, who knows who knows what Julio is going to do? But you know what I'm getting at? That explosive wide receiver set. You got a guy named Anthony Fersker who nobody knows at tight end who gets the job done. You got CMC and you got Derek. I know that's two different players. But you know what I'm getting at? I can see some brightness into this. I can see a light at the end of the tunnel if, if, and Chauncey's is up, you know, at least Ryan Tannehill had something to build on or whatever. But if Sam can do it, and if that offensive line can pull it together, they do have the capability. And if I'm if I'm if I'm Joe Brady, I'm looking at like what the Titans do. Do the play action, run some things, get that tight end involved. I mean, I can see them running the same type of offense as somebody like the Titans do. But see, the pro- and the scary part about that is though that we have all the talent. We have all the capability. We have all the weapons. You can't – and you and you can coach them and you can facilitate, you know, growing that talent. You can't grow or teach logic and, and sensibility. And you can't coach coaching, honestly. So Brady doesn't have the ability to get them to, you know, to facilitate something to work. Like it's almost kind of like in Charlotte, in downtown Charlotte, everyone knows, at least most people know about – the stadium that the minor league baseball team built in downtown Charlotte. The original stadium was in Rock Hill for whatever reason or Fort Mill or wherever it was for whatever reason, it was still called the Charlotte Knights. They built the stadium, beautiful stadium in the heart of downtown Charlotte, great location right next to the, to the bank of America stadium. But the way they built it, everyone in the city has been clamoring for an MLB team for decades. They've always wanted an MLB team. And as the city has grown, the likelihood for that has grown with it. The problem is now the prime location for where you could have had that was where the current stadium sits. And they built it to where you cannot build upon it. That's a perfect metaphor for the Panthers right now. We've got the base, but I'm afraid that you're making these moves and you don't have the coaches that are able to build upon it and elevate it to the next level because of the decisions that they made one way or the other to not, you know, whether it's Joe Brady's incapability. And it's not, and that's the crazy part is that like, it's not that Brady has necessarily done malicious things to show us that he's a bad coach. It's we're still just waiting to see what the hell he's going to do. Like even last year in the red, whether it was the red zone or third down or fourth down or time management, because you say that and go to rule, but in reality, that'll go to Brady. I mean, that, that that has to do with Brady as well, but it's from Brady and rule. They've not done anything horribly malignant to show us that they're awful coaches or the, that they're not those guys, but it's just they've shown us nothing, and, and the silence is almost worse. Yeah, and okay, so with, I, I, I'll try to be positive here with, with, with the offense and Joe Brady. I do think that, like, like you guys spoke on before, there's a – a Jake DeLong type of element to Sam Darnold that I do, I do believe in. Now, mind you, I, I watched a lot of Jake DeLong games. Those games are kind of, it's kind of, it's a seesaw effect because some days he was great, clutch, but there were some days he would just make some a couple throws, and it's the reason why I never, it's the reason why we never returned to, to the Super Bowl even with the talent that we had because. There's some boneheaded plays in there every now and then, but I do think that offensively. We are built to, I think, to at least protect Samuel. I mean, it means that we can move the pocket some to eliminate possibly those blind side rushes. There, we, we, there is enough talent here to, to, to make to make up for some things that we like. I will say this: I think maybe the reason why they haven't drafted a quarterback, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, maybe they know that maybe they don't trust their uh, development. 
maybe they don't they don't, maybe they don't trust the fact that they could develop a quarterback. Maybe that's the reason why they've gone with Teddy Bridgewater, who's a vet. You don't have to, have to you don't have to really teach him much. And Sam Darnold, who's a guy that's been in this league for long enough to know how to play the game at this level, at least at least you would think he he would. But maybe that's the reason why they haven't tried to go with the, go draft the quarterback. They've been in prime position to, to do so. I spoke on Twitter about how we may regret letting Justin Fields, you know, slide because it's you can't find franchise quarterbacks everywhere. Even in even in the top five, even the top fifteen, you can't you can't necessarily find them. And they're right there and they're kind of like, here, take him. Here, he's right here. Take him. And you don't, then oh man. You gotta live I mean, it's gonna be a decision that they they have to live with for a and long that's- time. And that's an interesting point there because if you look through the draft, it's kind of indicative of that in terms of the guys they've gotten. They've gotten off the bat, you know, in the first rounds. Those are the easy ones. You're getting guys who you know are damn talented. They don't need a whole lot of help. They're going to become talented. Whether And that's since Rule's gotten here in Derek Brown and J.C. Horn. But the guys they've gotten after the fact are either – it's their talent is either multidimensional, so where – if they don't develop to their highest potential at a certain point of their talent, it doesn't matter that much because, oh, look, he can do this also. For Chin, he might not be the greatest zone read you know, safety we've ever had, but he can jump in there and make a tackle. And maybe that's kind of the point they're working for is because they know for a certain factor, not one way or the other, they don't have the – ability to you know bring that out of out of them they don't have the ability to to draw that out you see that with shy shy might not be the greatest you know the greatest route runner or the greatest you know but he can he can get separation he's got the athletic ability in the footwork same with terrace marshall you know he, or that might be he might not be the greatest you know route runner but he's got the ability and he's got the athleticism so that might not be the most far off thing i will say though fitterer has already tied or either tied or surpassed the amount of trades we've made in the last the, since having the position in the last two years, we talk about it. I mean, Perriman's gone now, so how does that change up the the linebackers? You have obviously, like we know, Shaq. They spoke very highly of Jermaine, and I imagine he's going to be the Shaq. I don't know where they're going to put him. You know, he wasn't ever like he was playing mid, but he didn't really, you know, neither feel the need to play Mike. Maybe they move back out of the left. Maybe they keep maybe they keep Jermaine out of the left. Hassan. I, See, this is what concerns me, though, because Hassan, we know, we we don't know if he's going to be more of that four tech or he's going to jump back up, you know, into into the linebacker spot, or if he's going to edge rush. Um, because then Frankie Lavu, he seems like he's also going to play more of that middle linebacker spot. So I don't know if they run like a four three. Then I that's another thing. I mean, defensive scheme wise, we've seen you know kind of some different things they've thrown at us. I'm interested to see what Phil Snow is going to his. I, I'm I'm thinking honestly, when all this is said and done, and we get to the regular season, I think Phil Snow's scheme might not be what we've seen in the preseason i think he maybe could throw some different stuff at us yeah. at least not you know week in and week out um and then they've also you know signed this guy daryl johnson or actually not signed but they traded for daryl johnson from the panthers of the north i don't know what a thought process is on that you know just trading another pick away uh, I, I don't get it I, I don't get that one i mean the guy hasn't I, from what i gather hadn't produced you go i know it's a six rounder but tom brady was a six rounder i mean don't get me wrong but to trade away draft picks for a guy who really hasn't produced, he wouldn't like, yeah, he wouldn't be worth any draft capital at all to me personally. I mean, for a guy that's only got two sacks at thirty-one games as a as an NFL player, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what I mean, what would we picking up here? I mean, is he like a, a guy that may pop like off of potential, or are we? But I mean, even but our edge rushes are are fine. I, I like your tour. 
I like Marquise Haynes. I mean, I, I mean, I obviously love Brian Burns. I mean, Morgan Fox as well. I like him. What exactly are we? I mean, we had other positions that we needed help with, and one of them, a few of them are on the offensive line. I would have thought we would have made a play for an offensive lineman. I don't care who it is at this point. Let's try to get somebody in here that we think can be competent to help show up our offensive line. Getting Daryl Johnson, I, I mean, I didn't move me at all. I mean, it was like, it was like, it, it's like at this point, somebody said it's like. Fritter was just spamming the the, the, the the trade button in Madden at this point. Like, <laughs> and you know, just, and just, you, you brought up a good point too, dude. I mean, I mean, we went all defense last year. So I mean, if you and, and, and I know all positions all over the place, so we got this kind of hybrid defense. Why are you going defense with a six round graphic? I mean, like you said, go wait till tomorrow. I mean, wait till Tuesday or Wednesday when the cuts start to really come down, and you get some offensive linemen who. May or may not be worth something or better than what you got. I just I don't I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't understand that one. You made a trade and you haven't even fully cut down your roster yet. Right. How about make a decision on your own guys first and then let's go. I don't think anybody was calling for Daryl Johnson. I I, I think I'll probably go on a limb and say I don't think the world was calling. For and Darryl I Johnson and I checked. There's no in. there's no Temple or Baylor background there, so I don't know where the connection came from. Dan, I, I, you know, I, I, saw, I saw somebody say Dan Morgan. I didn't now, now transition from Buffalo. Well, now here's the interesting thing, though, and maybe, maybe we're 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 not looking into this hard enough because we think about it. Luke Keekley was at the Bills' practice training camp and practice. What not two weeks ago? He comes to practice this week. Maybe he walks up. You know, maybe he's like, "Hey, I saw something in this guy over here while I was in while I was in Buffalo." You know, he was supposed to be a scout at one point for us. Maybe he did some scouting for us and went to go, hey, I've seen some of this guy. He's not going to blow the bank out, but he'll give you a hard worker. So if you can try to trade for him, try to trade for him. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just a coincidence because, I mean, they signed him today or they trade for him today and Keekley was a practice all last week. Maybe there's something there, but that's just the optimistic in me. Yeah. I I, I think that's the Luke Keekley love. I think that's the Luke Keekley love. <laughs> I yeah, maybe, I, I, that may just be Luke Keekley love. I, I – I, I'm probably going to roll with Dan Morgan being in our front office now. Him coming from Buffalo. He had he had hit, seen this kid all last year. I would probably – I'm going to lean more towards that one. I don't think Luke did any espionage work for us in particular, necessarily. The mind-boggling part, and Shanti's I didn't think about it until you said it or whatever, it's like, yeah, at least make your cuts. Make, yeah, make your cuts. First. See what's out there. And then make you up your mind, and, and especially because you're giving up a draft pick. That's that's a part I don't get. Is a you haven't even made cuts. You don't know what's going to come down the line. I mean, would you've been better off going and getting whoever these? I, and I lost my list, but getting one of these free. I, I don't know. Go get one. Of the yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, I I just I just couldn't. I just can't understand the the. the I mean, he's got two. He has two sacks in 31 games. I yeah. think a six round draft pick is worth more than two sacks in thirty one games. Uh, to me, I don't. I, <laughs> yeah, that one was a, definitely a head scratcher. One that wasn't a head scratcher was Joey Sly, and we can talk about this. We don't have to go too many times. It sucks. You never want to see someone lose a job, and I like he had a great story around him, and that's the problem is that you know a great story only gets you so far, especially in the NFL. Like after a certain time, the story starts to fade away, and you need to actually put you know perform. <sighs> And I mean that last preseason game was just not it, man. And, and I not couldn't. It. And I'm I'm excited for this uh, Santanos. Yeah, 
Santoso. He looks like a 45 year old. He looks like a dad in the neighborhood, like like growing a, you know, growing burgers. But the man can kick. The man can kick. I'm okay with it. Um, but I, I do wish Joey Sly the best, and I hope. I mean, I imagine the Bills will probably pick him up, um, or some, or maybe the Redskins, or excuse me, the, the football team. But um, it was just. It, I mean, it was time. The thing that scares me though is because they said it. Charlton has been and continues to be the only punter at camp. I understand he's good, but, like, what if he gets injured? Like, I feel like we need to have another punter, at least on the practice squad. You know, every 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 team everywhere seems to understand the concept of having depth at every position, except for Carolina. Like, I, I, I can't – we talked about it last week. I couldn't fathom the fact that you were bring in – no other kicker other than Joey Slot. Considering he's not been, he hasn't been good enough to keep his job for the last two years. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say that. He's been Much holding on to the story. In, exactly. Much less to come in without any competition in camp. Charleston had a great year last year, of course, but you bring up, you bring in bodies for camp. Well, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily, if not to compete for a job, at least to take away reps, at least to keep the reps down and keep those guys from. Injuring themselves with because of because due to repetition, you know. So, well, yeah, I, I agree with there. I mean, you know, and I'll, sorry, and I know you guys, if you listen to our podcast and stuff like that, Brett Kern, Brett Kern's one of the best punters in the NFL. But we had two other punters in camp as the Titans. We had two other punters in camp. We've had four uh, place kickers come through. Um, so, and 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 what's even more of a telling story is. Um, I've come to the conclusion in the NFL, if you're relying on your kicker more than your offense, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, especially when you get into that red zone and you can't get the ball in the end zone. You get bigger problems than a kicker who can't make a kick. Oh, it's, um, so I mean, that, that was our problem. You know, this Santos guy, I mean, he's he, – I've I, I followed him a little bit and looked a little bit – I looked into him a little bit today and stuff. He's got a leg. He does look like Ted Lasso, I think, from like – he looks like uh, – that's what I think he looks like. Anyway, um, but I mean – you know, I, I, I don't even know kickers anymore, to be honest with you. You know what I'm getting at? I mean, really, it used to be the adventaries, and you would know the guys who were in there and stuff, and now it's like – you. Uh, I've seen, I, I don't know these guys. You know, they're, 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 a lot of teams have a different kicker every two weeks. Well, so, I think, I think the, the quality of kickers has gone down over the years, I feel like. Like, I mean, well, the athleticism has gotten, gotten better, of course, but the quality of – Consistency. I, Listen, I mean, there used to be guys like they do. They were entrenched in their spots. No, well, I, I mean, I go back to like I knew, like you know, and we'll keep going back. I mean, like you knew most of the time when, um, oh my gosh, lost it. How can I forget the the, the Panthers kicker, John Casey? Yeah, John Casey. You knew when John Casey stepped onto the field in early on in, in the middle of his career stuff. You knew he was going to make kicks. Yep. The Titans had a guy named Rob Baronis. You knew when Rob stepped on the field, he was going to make kicks. Exactly. Just, I think about guys like Martin. Think about guys like Martin Gramatica. Exactly. You know, like, I mean, like, you you knew they were going to step on the field and make it. Now, I'm sitting here on Sundays going, you know, he's two. He's one of three for extra points, and and, and that's not just the Panthers. That's across the league. It's that realm of going. I have more confidence in guys making 55 yarders than I do 30 or making an extra point. Yeah, because it's funny. Yeah, the only time when a 55 yarder or a 56 yarder was unheard of. And then, you know, you were, and it's almost to the point where, like, 
And I mean, I wouldn't surprise me. The NFL had a little bit of a hand in it. You know, they obviously they were trying to make the rules different to where it was harder for kickers to be, you know, to need kickers or it was harder for kickoffs and harder for punters. It wouldn't surprise me that even at a training level that they are going in that far down and going like, you know, training, even changing the way that kickers practice and train to make sure that they're better long distance kickers or better kickers at long distance than they are from short distance. Because if you think about that, then, you know, this is just the conspirator in me. If they're horrible from a short distance, you're going to see more people going for it on fourth down or going for two-point conversions. But right. if it's a game winner and they don't think they can get a Hail Mary, what's more exciting than a 50-yard field goal to figure out, you know, to win the game? That's got everyone on the edge of their seat. So would I, I would put it past the NFL to do some, you know, puppet mastering to to change the way that even kickers start to practice. Because you're right, it's been a lack of – of talent and consistent talent from like, it's like thirties. It's almost like the 30, like a 30 yard kick and a 40 yard kick or no man's land. Cause it's too far to, right. you know, try a hail or to try. It's like not far enough to, to try, you know, a hail Mary, but it's also too close for these kickers to actually kick it consistently straight. It's like, they're changing the way they're kicking. So it's going to be straighter for the longer it is. And then if it's shorter, it's going to curve right off so that you're going to see more people doing, you know, two point conversions. And, and Jeff's right, though, and he mentioned it as a joke, but that's been a Panthers problem for a while, and it was a Panthers problem the last, I mean, three years was we could get to the red zone and could not convert, and that is you, – you will not get to the postseason like that, and I think that's something that, you know, uh, that and red zone efficiency and two-minute drills should be the two things that this Panthers team eats, sleeps, and breathes because that's – our offense can – and that was the worst problem is that our offense, especially last year, could move the ball and in years past can, for the most part, move the ball as long as it gets ahead of steam under it. But if it's got no head of steam under it, it's got no momentum. So if the defense can't give you that momentum with a quick you know, turn three, a three and out or a turnover, you have, you're deflated going in there. And then you either get to the 30-yard line and then you're screwed from there or, you know – it's two minutes left in the game and you can't even get to the 30 to be able to complete a, you know, reasonable pass for the touchdown. And so that's something that that's what I want, regardless of what our offense looks like this year, those are things that need to, I need to see some sort of improvement on. Yeah. And um, I mean, here's, here's the main thing with, with, with where we're at as a team. It's just the, the level of, of unknowingness. I've, I've never felt this much uneasiness about a season like last year. I had an idea what we were going to be. And, then, and we were exactly that. I picked the score 5-11. and 11, We went 5-11. This year, the talent level's risen everywhere, even at quarterback. But I still have no idea what, what to expect from this team. And I think I, I've never not believed in the coaching staff of of of, of, of the Carolina Panthers. Like I've always – with John Fox, I at least knew what the coaching staff was going to bring. The defense, we're going to play defense. We're going to run the football. Rivera, we're going to play defense. We're going to run the football. Matt Rule, I just don't know because it, it, it's a lot of how I feel about a lot of these college coaches that get shots in the NFL. They do not have an identity of what they want to do with their teams. Arizona's got the same issue. They have a bevy of talent. They got to make the playoffs this year. Otherwise, somebody's getting fired. You know, we, I mean, and, and, and even and even with uh, Matt Rule being, being a year two, I'm telling you right now, I don't think Te- Tepper's not waiting. That, I don't think Tepper's going to wait this m- much longer. For Matt Rule to get it together, Scott Fritterer did not hire Matt Rule, so I don't. My Scott Fritterer has no loyalties to Matt Rule in making this thing work. We have to see some type of some type of level of improvement, and if we're not an eight win team, a, a seven to eight win team, they're gonna be they're gonna start to be rumblings. He'll he'll make it to a third year, but they're gonna start to be rumblings about who's gonna be replacing him. 
even when you went early on, I mean, it, the, the beginning of this, the inaugural season, Dom Capers. Dom Capers was defense. You knew exactly what the Carolina Panthers were back then. George Seifert changed it a little bit where you got a little more of the offense and stuff. But like you said, John DJ, you're right. Dom Capers, George Seifert, John Fox, Ron Rivera. You knew what you were getting. You knew exactly. And I agree with you. You know, I mean, this team's been around and you know what you, I got I got no idea. And 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 in the NFL, we are at that point now where, you know, you gotta put butts in the seats. Um, especially after last year when there weren't butts in the seats. Yeah. You you gotta give feel us, bankable. give fans a reason to be excited. Like right now, I don't trust I I can't go into a game with Sam Darnold and truly be excited about what I'm about to see. Right now, at least not right now. Maybe in a few weeks it'll change. Hopefully it will. But from a like, how do we go an entire preseason the training camp and we have no idea what we have? Because it's, it's weeks off. You mentioned it. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You mentioned it. it's. Listen, you had to play it more in the preseason. You had to. You let the opportunity go where you, people he don't. Need, he needed like he to needed play. Reps. And if you don't have enough confidence in your offensive line to protect him for three seconds so he can get a pass off, I, I, I don't know. Two weeks from now when the Jets come into town, I I guess we'll see. Man, that game is – I've never seen a season over be, be this pivotal for the – like maybe not maybe not for the coaches to job security, but for a fan base, I, just the fans are just – if you lose this game, it is very damning to everything you you tried to sell us on for the past year, for the past two seasons now. I mean, you you have to win this game. It's very imperative that you that you win this game and that you win the next couple of games coming after that. Jack, we'll let you talk in a minute, but John, just let me say this real quick too. Not only that in some organization, but Sam Darnold. If you don't go out and beat the Jets, he's kind of in a no man's land anyway. You don't go out and beat the Jets week one. Where's his confidence at? I, that to me, oh man, it's pivotal. This game is very pivotal for a lot of people involved. This game is very pivotal. It's just, and it's, it's unnerving. Like you said, Shantese, it's it's very unnerving because, and you talked about it a little bit. I mean, at a college level, other than the big programs that have understood how to make it work, you don't necessarily have to establish a a, a, a an identity for your program because there's so many moving pieces coming in and out, you know, routinely. So they don't ever get the skills to be able to develop an identity. And that's what we're seeing here. I mean, what we're seeing here is he's working. It's like, he's working with a freshman class of, of players and he's trying to, you know, and the problem is that you don't have four years for these guys to then be seniors and for you to be, to then be successful because in college, everybody, everybody's rotating people and the NFL, you're not getting rotated that much. These teams are going to stay the teams they are. And they're just going to continue to build upon the teams they are. And that Jets game is going to be very indicative of how I think how the season's going to go. Like it's there's, I mean, there's something to be said to, you know, first game, you know, bump, you know, shaking the rust off, you know, for some guys and getting your, you know, your sense of a team together. But even like, cause if you're out there and you lose and it's at least a close loss, there's going to be at least some sort of, like, I hate even thinking about the fact of losing to the Jets because I'm thinking of the ways how we would lose the Jets, and that means either we couldn't perform offensively. The only way that we lose the Jets is we can't perform offensively or the defense shits the bed and chokes it. And neither of those outcomes are good for the remainder of the season. And so you can't lose something to where, like, it's a – 
it's like a field goal. You know, there's a penalty, and then they get a field goal, and they get the chance to make it. Or our new kicker, you know, misses the field, the game-winning field goal, then maybe I'm okay. But if there's any other scenario where you lose that game, for one way or the other, one reason or the other, there's going to be a large amount of issues. If your defense craps the bed against the Jets' offense, yeah, then we have a lot to talk about. If our offense can't produce against the Jets' defense, there's going to be issues. I think there's zero moral victories against the Jets. No, there's no more. There yeah. is saving there, there's races. There's, there's I, I, don't, I don't think there's any way you walk out of losing to the Jets in any, I, even if, you know, even if, if, you know, JC Horn went out there and had two picks and we lose by three, I just don't see where it's going to be that way. I just, it's, it, it, it's, it's just concerning either way, and I hope they can put together. I hope, I hope they prove us wrong. I hope they absolutely prove us wrong. They make us shut our mouths and go up. Oh, we were wrong about everything we said in the preseason because that will make me happy, and that'll make me believe in their abilities as coaches and as a staff to you know put together something. And I hope that they can prove us wrong. But I am searching my brain and racking my head for ways that they can do that. And the only way they can do that is give me a confident and solid win against the Jets. And that sounds like not a hard feat, but right now I just don't know about the legitimacy of whether or not they can achieve that. Oh, well, do you think we can beat the Saints now? I do. I do. I, like, I, remember I said I didn't think we could beat the Saints a, a few weeks ago. I didn't think it then. I definitely don't think it now. Uh, the way I mean, if if what and, and that's that's the main issue in my mind with the preseason is that it puts you don't know how to gauge what you're getting because Sam, I mean, his stat line, what was it? One eight, uh, yeah, 162 yards, 19 for 25, two touchdowns. That's a solid outing in a in a regular season game. That is a solid outing, especially against what would be the regular season Steelers. But in the preseason, I just don't I, – I, I don't know how to gauge it. And well, that's the real issue is I, yeah. like with the Saints and Winston, when, that pass that he made, a couple of those passes he was making, my God, those were dimes. Those were really insane passes. And if he plays like – but is that how he's going to play in the regular season? And the problem is that week one is really going to be where we're going to get that gauge. But it's very scary because there's, there's very little middle ground in that first game. You're, it's either going to be one thing or the other. And that's what I, I hate about the preseason. I love that we get to see football and get to see it early, but I just don't know how to read the gauges of this of the output they're giving me. Especially if especially yeah. if Zach Wilson comes out and beats Sam Darnold week one. <laughs> then we're gonna that's gonna be a whole other conversation we're gonna have if, to have. If Zach Wilson comes out and throws for three hundred yards and has like a hundred and twenty quarterback rating, I I, I you know, I, I, I don't it, it just you got to win game one. You have to win. And if I'm Coach Rule, I don't give a rat's butt about the rest of the season. We've got to go out there in front of B of A week one and win that game. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's very important because, I, I mean, like I said, the fans are not going – like when, when Tepper introduced Matt Rule and tried to sell us on waiting and, bro, this is the NFL, man. We don't – it doesn't take long to figure this out unless you're a bad franchise. Cleveland has been trying to figure it out for like 20 years, and even they got it going now. You don't want to be the team get, to get left behind. It's just not nope. – especially not in our division where 
the, the quarterback situation in our division is kind of in disarray. It's starting, it's starting to become much and more murkier as the years go by. You want to be the team to figure it out first to build on to the future. Yep. So, Unfortunately, we'll see. like I said, and this seems like it's my new tag now, we're going to have to keep waiting. And until then, keep pounding.